even as Kirsten was sharing as well, of the fact that we are a family. Uh, we're a family of all generations. We've, we're quite a diverse bunch, really, when you look around different ages and backgrounds. Um, we really are we're passionate to see a family here at Hope Church. We're really not interested in growing a crowd. I, I, that couldn't be further from my heart. It couldn't be further from our heart as elders. Uh, we want to see a family grow here. And, uh, and what might be that we're a large family, but we want to see people knitted into family, uh, actually knowing other people and being known. And uh, along those lines, I want to just invite you, maybe you've been coming along to Hope on Sundays for some time, uh, but you don't really feel part of the family. Um, maybe you are just wondering what we're all about, what makes us tick. We'd love for you to come to our Getting Connected uh, course, which uh, starts with part one on the 12th of December, um, which is uh, going to be at, uh, just down, uh, downstairs, one floor down. Um, there's a lovely area there where we're going to have some lunch, and we're going to share a little bit about who, we're, who we are, what we're all about, and what it uh, looks like to be part of this church. And uh, that's part one of a two-part course. The, the second part will be in the new year. And what I really want to urge you to come along, because we do really believe that uh, Jesus, uh, he came to actually redeem for himself a people. That's what it says in the Bible in Titus chapter 2, a people. He wants a people. Jesus wants a people, not a crowd who don't know each other. But he wants a people who know who they are, who know whose they are, who, uh, who love one another, who are knitted into family. And um, so I really want to urge you and encourage you. Maybe you've been coming along for some time and you've been thinking, oh, I want to know some people here. I want to, I want to be, you're not going to know everyone here, okay? You might know five to ten people well here. That's okay. You, you know, that you may have been in a church before um, in another town or whatever where you knew everyone and everyone knew you. That's beautiful. But you, you might not get that here. But we do want you to be known and to know others and to find your place in the church, to find a part, as, as Luke was saying, with different parts of one body with a part to play. So we really want to urge you and invite you to come along on the 12th of December. You'll have to sign up to book in for that so we can make sure we've got enough uh, food for you all. Uh, children will be very welcome and uh, we'll have some activities for them and some face painting going on. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. You can get to know some of the uh, leaders in the church here and uh, we're going to have a great, we're going to have great fun. I just want to also say, as a, by way of team talk a little bit, we, I think this is our eighth Sunday in this building today. I, I think we've had eight Sundays, and uh, we are still learning and still adjusting and still um, kind of tweaking things as we go. So just want to encourage you, bear with us still. As you'll see, each Sunday there's different things we're trying out, different things, even think with technical things like lighting and video and all that kind of stuff. We're kind of getting our heads around stuff. We're so thrilled with how the move has gone. Uh, it's been so wonderful. Uh, but there's still things that we're adjusting and tweaking as we go. So even with things like sign-in for kids' work, that may uh, change. It might be that we have a, an area at some point for, um, for newcomers particularly to go to so they can get a really great welcome. There's all kinds of things that we're going to bring in in the, in the weeks and months to come. I want to encourage you to bear with us, but I also want to encourage you to please speak to us, to, to one of the elders, one of the deacons, or uh, one of the staff here, and just if you feel like... There's something you think, I don't quite understand why we're doing it that way. Or I really want to ask if we could do this. Please speak to us. We want to have your feedback. We want to, uh, we want to hear from you. We don't want you to just kind of think, well, you know, I, no one wants to hear from me. Uh, my, my opinion is not important. We do want to hear from you. And we'd much rather you come and speak to us than kind of grumble or think, oh, you know, this is what's happening here. Uh, we really want to, we want to invite you to speak to us. We are uh, really excited uh, by what God's doing um, we do have many, many people amongst us every week um, who are exploring uh, what, what Jesus is all about, what Christianity is, and maybe you're here this morning and that's your story. Well, you're really welcome. We're really glad you're here. Um, and God has, I believe, got you here for a purpose. It's not, a, it's not an accident that you're here. 
And so I really hope that as we continue our series today, when we're going to be looking at, we're looking at who God is, I hope that today this speaks to you, that this word that I'm going to share just briefly today speaks to you. We're looking at surprised by God, and today's message is the God who really cares, the God who really cares. Now, I'm, I'm married to the lovely Sarah, who's down here, and we have three children, and uh, we started off our journey of having children with having twins, okay? So it was, it was quite a big jump from zero to two, and uh, I remember really, really well, uh, people would often ask us, um, you know, what was it like having twins? And uh, we would sort of, our answer generally is the first kind of 18 months were an absolute blur. I don't remember much at all. And then after that, it was, a real, it was really easy because they just played with each other. Um, there were times where the sleep deprivation got, the sleep deprivation got really, really bad. Uh, there were times, particularly for Sarah, who, who bore the brunt of it. There was one time I remember really, really, really well. Uh, I went into the bedroom at night time, and Sarah was uh, sleep-talking to me because she was so sleep-deprived, and she said, watch out for Pinky. And I said, who's Pinky? And we had this whole conversation. She said, oh, Pinky's our third daughter. We've had this, we, uh, we, she con was convinced we'd had triplets. She said, don't lie. And she was even saying, don't lie there, because that's where Pinky's sleeping. Uh, she was so, so sleep-deprived, bless her. And uh, we joke about that from time to time. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, a tough time. Uh, in some ways, sleep deprivation was, was crazy. Um, we had a, a, a lady from the church rock up on our doorstep every Wednesday. She would rock up on our doorstep and she'd say to Sarah, I'll either clean your house for you or I'll take the girls off your hands for a couple of hours. What do you want me to do? Which was just amazing. She did it every Wednesday for like a year. It was incredible. And uh, just such a, a wonderful uh, display of uh, family in the church we were part of there. And uh, the, 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 at one point, one of our daughters became very, very unwell. She um, was blue-lighted to hospital a few times. She had quite a few hospital stays, had to have uh, a number of difficult procedures and medication and so on. And uh, there was one night where she was very poorly, and my wife, Sarah, got into the travel cot with her and slept in a small travel cot for the whole night. Which, I mean, I, I wouldn't even fit, for starters, but it would be the, the thing furthest from my mind to do. She was, you know, such was the compassion of a mother that the thing that she thought was best to do was to go and get in the cot with her poorly child and stay the night with her. There is nothing quite like the compassion of a mother, is there? You know, mums don't get a lot of thanks for what they do. You know, there's, there's something, there's not, it's not a, it's, you don't get a lot of thanks in those first few months. You get lots of nappy explosions, you get lots of dribble and sick and sleepless nights and screaming, but you don't get a lot of thanks. And yet, um, in the heart of a mother is, one, is something really deep, something, compassion that is so deep. And, uh, and even as children get older, that, that compassion is still there. Even when, um, even when children may, may answer back or they might, uh, say something nasty, or they might not listen well. There's still a compassion there. There's still something that, within a mother, moves them because they've got compassion for their children. And in, in the Bible verse I want to just kind of launch from today, in Isaiah, God, the, the God of the universe, the one who we've been exploring these last few weeks, he compares himself to a, a mother. He compares himself to a, a nursing mother. This God compares himself to a nursing mother in the way that he has compassion. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15. God, God says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb, 
even these may forget, and yet I will not forget you. He goes on to say, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is God comparing himself to a nursing mother. He's saying, I, I have got that same compassion, that same uh, deep within yearning. I have that same emotion that draws me towards my people. This is what God's saying is so profound. God, we know, doesn't have a gender. The Bible uses the pronoun he to refer to God. And Jesus calls him father. So that's why we call him father. But he is happy to compare himself to a breastfeeding mother to display the fact that he has compassion for his people. God is moved towards those who are struggling and suffering. This is so, I, I want to just spend some time just honing in on this some more today because I, I think we can lose this sometimes. In the short time we have remaining, we, we wanna, I want to behold the compassion of God. I want us to, to hone in on it. I believe he's going to do a work in our hearts as we behold him, as we, as we spend some time just kind of letting this sink in, I believe he's going to do some work in our hearts. I believe he's going to change us in some ways. You, you, I don't know if you know this, but you become like that which you behold. When we read in, in the scriptures that it's as we behold Jesus with unveiled faces that we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. It's by spending time beholding him. We want to behold the compassionate God, the God who really cares. He's not, he's not some supercomputer who just kind of programmed the world. He's not unflinching and unemotional. He, no, he deeply cares. He deeply cares. He's, he has deep emotions. He has a deep heart from which flows deep compassion. And we, yearn, we learn of God's yearning heart elsewhere in the Old Testament. So in uh, places like Exodus 20, we, we learn that God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Now, we might think, well, jealousy is bad, right? How can God be jealous? Well, he is jealous insofar that he has a people who he is jealous for. And, he, and when he sees uh, his people going after other things that don't really satisfy, that only enslave, that only bring misery, he's jealous. And he's, he's, he's actually moved to uh, right uh, just anger and jealousy. doesn't want to see them getting in a mess. He's, he's, he yearns for his people. We see in Jeremiah 31 that, that God speaks of his people, Israel. Or in this particular passage, he, he speaks of them as Ephraim, which is a phrase that he uses sometimes for Israel, a name of affection that he uses. And he speaks of his heart. He says, I yearn for Ephraim. My heart yearns for him, is what he says. My heart yearns for my people. Have you ever thought that about God? That he yearns for his people. He's moved uh, from deep within when he sees his people stuck in sin and suffering. I wonder if your, if your theology, your understanding of God has room for that. I wonder if you've understood God really cares. He, re he is really moved deep within at the plight of his people. God's, God's affections can't be overstated. They can't be exaggerated. We can't overstate God's heart for his people. We can't. And this truth of, of God's affections for us, they can be, it can be neglected. We can sometimes, yeah, well, God loves me. Yeah, I, I can kind of, yeah, I can agree with that. But we don't really know that what he feels for us is really strong. It's really strong. 
And we fail sometimes to draw the encouragement from it that we ought to, or that we could do, that we really need. <coughs> and so on, on week upon week, we've been looking at who God is in different aspects of his character as he's revealed himself. And as we've said in previous weeks, we most clearly see what he's like in the person of Jesus. Jesus being the image of the invisible God. We clearly see what he's like when we look at the person of Jesus. And it's not just in the Old Testament then that we see God's heart, but we see it in Jesus. We see it in places like Acts uh, chapter 10, where it says of Jesus that he went around doing good and healing people. All that were oppressed by the devil. He went around healing. He, he walked around and he had compassion for people. And we see that he had, he had compassion upon the crowds. He looked upon great crowds of people that gathered to hear him teach. And he had compassion. He was moved within for the crowds. In Matthew 9, he sees the crowds and he sees that they were like, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless and they were wandering. They were harassed. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they had rubbish leaders. And they weren't getting taught well. And he saw that they were getting led into all kinds of falsehood. He had deep compassion for them. He yearned for them. He saw the crowds uh, a little bit later on in the story of Matthew. And he's compassionate for them because they're hungry. He understands that they've been walking all day. And they've been coming to hear him teach. And they're really, really hungry. And he's moved with compassion for them. And he does a great miracle on the back of it and feeds thousands and thousands of people. He has compassion for the crowds. In Matthew 14, he, he, he went ashore uh, from having been on a boat, and he saw the crowds before him, and it says, he had compassion upon them because he saw there was many sick amongst them. Just imagine that for a moment. Jesus just seeing the crowds and his eyes honing in on those who were sick and suffering, and his heart just zoning in on them. He saw. He saw. Even amongst the crowds, we've got a big crowd here. And yet he sees every single one of you. He saw, he saw the people who were sick and suffering, and he had compassion upon them, and he healed them. He went and just touched them and healed them, brought them to wholeness. It wasn't just the crowds either. There's a wonderful story in Luke 7 where there's a funeral procession going on, and you've got the pallbearers in there moving slowly down the street, and Jesus sees what's going on. He sees that there's a, a woman who is weeping, and she's a widow, so she's lost her husband, and now she's lost her son. So it's not just the heartache and the, you know, the, the grief from losing loved ones, but it's the fact she's got nothing now in the way of provision. She's got, like, she's got no one to care for her, no one to look after her, which is you know, the ex expectation and the custom back then. That if your husband died, well, your oldest son's going to provide for you. She's got no one to care for her. And he looks upon this situation and he has compassion. And he stops the procession. <laughs> he stops the procession and he says, do not weep. And he commands the guy to get up. He's brought back to life. Beautiful compassion Jesus had, not just in the crowds, but in the little moments as well. We see that he met blind people and it said he had pity on them. This is the same kind of thing. He, he felt within this sense of, oh, this is awful. And so he healed people because he was moved from within. His two most famous parables are the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son. And these are stories of compassion. The Good Samaritan, where this guy is uh, robbed and he's beaten, left half dead on the side of the road. And, uh, and the, the, the priest, they walk by. The ones that should have stopped, they walk by, 
They're too busy, or maybe they're fearing for their own lives. Maybe they think they're going to be the ones that are going to be robbed next. They walk by, and then the Samaritan, who no one expects to come by and stop, he stops. This, the Samaritan in that, in that story is Jesus himself, where religion and kind of ritual have, have failed to bring us back to life, who's failed to bring us back to uh, life. Jesus has come by, and he's stopped, and he's brought healing and wholeness to us. It's full of compassion. The prodigal son, the lost son, we looked at this the other week. This God who rejoices, he sees his son turning back and he has compassion for him. He runs out to meet him, he's moved. There's something within that causes him to move. It's not just a feeling you think, oh, that's a bit sad. No, no, he's moved. He's propelled forward towards his son from a place of deep compassion. This is our God. He is the God who really cares. He's the God who really cares. He's the God who's full of compassion. And the Hebrew word, when we think back to that uh, passage where God says, my heart yearns for Ephraim. My heart yearns for Ephraim. This word heart is actually better translated gut. In other parts of the Bible, it's used, that same word in the Hebrew is translated gut or, or my bowels. This is how God feels towards his people. There's a, there's a yearning. There's a, there's a I, my, heart, my innermost being longs. Like it yearns for. It yearns for his people. This is the way God is. This is a this is a this yearning. It's like a another word. That, um, another way it could be translated. It's like a turbulence within. There's a kind of restlessness within. Of you know when you yearn for something, you really want something to happen. You're restless. This is kind of what it's getting at. God's yearning for His people. He's moved within, and He's still He's still moved today. He's not He's not. It wasn't that He just displayed this compassion back then, and now He's kind of cool and calculating. No, He's still moving in compassion today. Last night, I was um, preaching at a youth event in Norfolk. Um, there was about 100 young people gathered. I was asked to speak at it. And uh, before, we, before I even got up and shared, uh, in the worship time, a young lady, uh, there was a, a prayer for healing, and a young lady came to the front, and she pulled up her sleeves, <laughs> and she said, I've been self-harming, and I had scars all over my arms, that have been there for years, and they've gone, completely gone, completely healed. <laughs> it was quite easy to, <laughs> we can applaud the Lord, can't we? I tell you, it was quite easy to preach the gospel on the back of that. <laughs> Praise God, over 20, maybe 25 young people gave their lives to Jesus last night. So good. That is good, isn't it? Come on, Lord. He's still, he's, still, he's still working today. He never stops. And he's full of compassion. He looks upon people and he sees their plight. He sees their suffering. He's not cool and calculated towards them. He is moved with compassion. He yearns deeply. And here's the deal. Because Jesus rose again, having died on the cross in our place, because he rose again, he ascended to heaven. And from his place of being ascended to the highest place, he's poured out the Holy Spirit. And that means we can know the presence of this compassionate God in a closer way than even those people that Jesus came across. I mean, this is mind-blowing because it's not contained to one part of the world. No, no, we can know the presence, the real presence of the God of compassion in our midst even now, because Jesus has ascended and he's poured out the Holy Spirit. God's presence with his people. 
And this is, what, this is why we gather, friends. We, meet, we gather to the presence of God. We're not gathering to some tradition or like we've got, you know, this is what we do on Sundays. <laughs> go to the pub on such and such day. We go to church on Sundays. No, no, we come to the presence of God. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, friends, when we come together. When you gather together in your life groups, anything can happen. You gather into the presence of God. He's the God of compassion. He's the God who's near. He really cares. And I, I want to ask you what it is that you perceive God to be like. I want to ask you a question that uh, a great writer called Dane Ortland asks in his book, Gentle and Lowly, which is a fantastic book. He asks this question, whom do you perceive him to be in your sin and suffering? Who do you think God is? Not just on paper, but in the kind of person you believe is hearing when you pray. Who, who do you think is listening? What do you think his heart is like? How does he feel about you? He is yearning. He's not yearning for the Facebook you, the you that you project to everyone around you, not the way that you wish you were. He's not yearning for the way that you, the you that you wish you were. He's yearning for the real you, the you underneath everything you present to others. He's yearning for the real you. Do, you. do you believe that? Do you believe that when you pray? There's the God with you who is listening to you, who yearns for the real you. Who loves, who sees you and knows you and loves you and who yearns for you. From his innermost being. Do you believe that? You might think, well, he clearly doesn't care because I'm going through so much rubbish right now. You might think, I, he can't really care for me. He can't really have compassion upon me because I'm going through some tough stuff, whether it's in the workplace or family or whatever you're going through. You might be thinking that. Listen, Jesus is able to fix those things. He is. He's able to, to come in and shift things around. He's able to do that. But you need to understand that he does come in with you and he does grieve with you. Jesus, when he, his friend Lazarus dies, he's got these, these, these three siblings that are called Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're really good mates of his, probably grown up together. And his friend Lazarus dies. And he's seeing everyone weeping that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus has got there too late. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He wept. He, could, he, he, he was grieved. He was moved to see them like that. Moved to see this, the horrible consequences of sin in the world. And then he came and he rose Lazarus from the grave. Listen, you, you need to understand that even though right now it doesn't seem like he, might not be, he may not be fixing your situation. Or there may be some things you think, what is he doing? I don't understand it. He is right there with you. And he, he really does understand what you are going through. Because Jesus came and he, he suffered with us. He, he, he understands what we're going through. He suffered rejection from his family, from his friends. He suffered betrayal. He suffered injustice. He suffered physical 
torture, physical pain. He suffered emotional, mental torment. He understands what it is that you're going through. He understands. And he didn't just come to just suffer with us so that he might understand. He came to suffer for us. He came to suffer for us because we, we read of this God of compassion and who yearns for his creation, yearns for people. Well, this God didn't just kind of just say, I feel strongly towards him. No, he acted upon this. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might come and live the perfect life and die a death in our place. This is the ultimate outworking of God's compassion for us, that we might be completely freed, completely forgiven, that our deepest need would really be met. And our deepest need is for forgiveness. You might think, I have got a number of other needs right now, and I need Jesus to sort them out. Hey, ask him. <laughs> Come to him. But your deepest need... If you, if you have not come to him for forgiveness, your deepest need really is for forgiveness. It really is. Whatever else you think you need, you need more than anything forgiveness and to be adopted into God's family. And it's that, friends, it is that that your heart is longing for. He came not just to suffer with us, but he suffered for us. And we're just, in a moment, we're going to we're going to worship this God of compassion. We're going to sing our praises to him. We're going to give him the, the praise that is due his name. But listen, it's as we behold him, as I said right at the beginning, as we behold him, we change to be more like him. As we behold his compassion and his love, as we spend time thinking of it and reveling in it, it's then that we are transformed. It's then that we see in places like Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, it says, put on compassion. In Colossians, put on compassion, put on meekness, put on humility. It's in response to the fact that he has displayed great mercy to us. That we are now to be a people of compassion. A people who really see, who really see. We, we might see around us needs, but we really see the needs. We're moved within. And we're moved to go and pray. We're moved to go and support. And so today we're going to do things a little differently. Uh, I wonder if the band could be ready to come and, and lead us in a song. We're going to worship God together. And uh, we're going to sing. We're going to pray. And then I'm just going to ask us to get active. Okay? One of the, one of the reasons why we, we got rid of the tiered seating in this room, because it kind of just went down and down and down, was because what we want more than anything else is a mobilized church where everyone sees that they have a part to play. And then it's not, a, you know, when you've got tiered seating, it's quite hard to kind of get around and pray for one another. We really want a church where there's people praying for one another and, and, and speaking to each other and encouraging each other. And so what we're going to do in a few minutes' time is we're going to have a time to pray for one another. There will be some prayer team in the corner here. So if you don't know anyone here then you can go and receive prayer if there's some things that you want to respond to from some of the words that were shared earlier. But I want to encourage us, maybe you've been around Hope Church a bit, maybe you're a member, or maybe you've just been around for a while, and we, I want you to be active. 
and to pray for some people. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. And so when you pray for someone, you're often blessed in the process. Now, there may be some of you here thinking, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I, I, I don't really feel that comfortable praying. Or That's fine. Just, just kind of stay seated or, or, or stand and just kind of just reflect on what's going on around. You can just say politely to someone, I don't want to pray. That's fine. But there are hundreds of people here who I really do believe can bless someone today and pray for someone today. There's some people who have got health conditions maybe you know about or condition, uh, situations with their work, whatever you know about, you can go and pray for them. There are people who uh, are in you know, areas of leadership, maybe your life group leader, you can go and pray for them. You can go and bless them. Marilyn here is her last Sunday with us. We love you, Marilyn. She's moving, to, uh, she's moving out of the country this very soon. Maybe some people come around Marilyn and pray for her. There's, there's, there's compa- God wants us to be people of compassion who are moved. When we, when we, we, we we're people are on the move because we, we're moved within. So shall we do that? Are you up for that? Yeah? Four of you are. Are you up for that? <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? We're going to sing and uh, just bring our praise to this God of compassion. Father God, we thank you so much that you, 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 you acted upon your, your yearning. Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only son to this world, that we might be completely forgiven and freed and brought into the family of God. We thank you that you're still at work. God of compassion, you're still at work. Thank you for this young lady whose uh, arms you healed yesterday. Thank you, Lord God, for lives committed to you. Lord God, thank you for what you're doing in hearts right now. Lord, you never stop working. You never stop, Lord. I want to pray that even now, in the 10 minutes or so we have remaining, that you would come and do wonderful things in hearts, that you would bring encouragement to people who need encouragement. Lord God, that you would uh, use us to be a blessing, that we would put on compassion and kindness and humility. Lord God, that we would be those that seek to serve that seek to, to pour out to others what you've poured into our hearts. We want to emulate, we want to imitate the God of compassion. Lord Jesus, as you were moved, we want to be moved this week and in the weeks to come. Lord God, would you cause us to be moved? Would it be that we have, we know in our deep, in our being, oh, your compassion that we would go, speak to people, pray for people, whatever it might be, invite people to our home. You give us that compassion. When you say that to God right now, give me more of your compassion, Lord. Let me have a heart like yours, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.